Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf harte Herzschwanke, kommt und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es ist heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujat, Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast for season 2021. One chapter has been written of this 34 chapter behemoth and we probably didn't learn as much as we thought we were going to after the first match day. It is a long season and as the saying goes, it is a marathon, not a sprint. On today's episode, we are going to be delving into match day one all nine games as it happened and well we saw a lot of goals and entertaining football we can attest to that from last night's game and yeah it's just great to be back in the swing of things my wonderful co-host as per usual for today's podcast is Eva Lotte Baller. Eva it's been a busy 24 hours for yourself how you doing? I'm a bit tired <laughs> and I'm feeling a bit under the weather but um everything for the zweite bundesliga it's still fun to talk about it and um, i'm really glad to talk talk about the best league in the world absolutely especially when you come off a three-hour behemoth podcast with uh, the, the the wonderful people at the rasenfunk uh max and co always do a great job there so uh they had eva do some dominant work there and uh yeah now she's back with us which is always great to see let's get going with the opening game of the season which was hamburg against fortuna dusseldorf uh, this game wasn't particularly good to watch. It was uh, it looked like two rusty gates that were, you know, unable to shut properly. But what we did get is two teams who worked very hard to try and get a result, and it was Hamburg who took the three points in this one. And it wouldn't have been a surprise that a particular number nine who terrorizes this league, named Simon Torota, would get on the score sheet not once but twice, and his brace was enough to give Hamburg the three points. Uh, Matthias Zimmermann did get a consolation goal in stoppage time, but that's all it would be. Um, Eva, it's a good response, I guess, because Hamburg were very, very poor in that cup game against uh, Dynamo Dresden. Good result. I know Daniel Thune made a lot of changes. We'll talk about that in a sec. But uh, more importantly for Hamburg, get the three points on the board, and I think Thune would be very much relieved with that. Yeah, although I have to say, uh, it wasn't really the reaction I expected it to be, um, because you've mentioned it before, it wasn't a particularly good game uh, from both sides. Although, um, well, if you have a Terora up front, you don't really have to play very well. You uh, have someone who can always manage to get the goals. I was a bit of, um, yeah surprised that uh, Moritz Haya, who just uh, was added to the team sometime around Thursday night, uh, was in the lineup directly on, on Friday evening, although he knows Tijun, but I don't think it's the one-on-one playing that he did with Osnabrück, so <laughs> I don't know who really was that bad in training that Haya uh, replaced him. But um, I think who was uh, quite good for the highest foul side was uh, Joscha Wagnermann, 
he was the fastest player on the pitch uh, and one of the most tackles. Uh, very important. Um, what I'm still not very sure about is the penalty. Um, uh, I think F- Florian Hartherz hits him, but not in a way that I would clearly say, okay, that's a foul, because they both have the leg very high. They both go to the ball, and um, I'm quite sure if that would have happened, had happened in, in midfield somewhere this wouldn't be wouldn't be a free kick or something like that um so yeah and the first real chance for fortuna came like after 81 minutes although the statistics say they both had four shots on target didn't really see that um yeah um i think this would have been on paper classical nil nil game but if you have simon terrora on your side as mentioned before you win those games. <laughs> yeah, he is an asset. I mean, the first goal, he, the penalty, we were discussing about this um, a couple of days ago. We were a bit unsure, but the way I see it is that, they're, so they're both going for the ball, but because Dudziak gets to the ball first and then Hartertz's foot just gets contact and he, I think anywhere on the pitch, if, if you hear the... the, the, the the screeching of a player clutching in agony, uh, that's going to get the attention of the referee, which it did in this case. Um, and the second goal was a classic case of the defence being out of position. Um, and then with Hoffman having to come up and press the ball carrier, you know, the next line is Hartert. This is not us bashing us. This is this is what I saw. Um, and Tarotta's goal, goal side on his own in the six-yard box and it's all the ball needs to just get to him. A nice, easy goal it was. Um, but yeah, Dusseldorf, bit bit flat, um, but long season anyway. We'll say, though, the uh, Ambrosius-Hayek combination, um, considering Vidronglin wasn't in the squad, uh, Jonas David was the only other recognised centre-back. Um, you know, they did okay. I mean, it's not a particularly easy situation to be swung in as the... Um, the centre back pairing, but I think as a, as a collective, as a duo, um, they were very good. So I think they should, um, you know, they can they can take um, some real positives out of that result. They may not have kept the clean sheet, which may disappoint, but the three points are the most important aspect of that result. Let's go to last night's game because that game was an absolute cracker. A classic Spider Bundesliga tilt between Valfour Borchum and St. Pauli. It looked Borchum. For a long period, I mean, Robert Jules' free kick and then Sola on 76 minutes after really good work from Holtman and Gamvula. And uh don't know how to explain it, but they didn't actually win the game and they came very close to losing all three points at the final hurdle. Uh, Daniel Coffey, Kirai with a brace in the space of three minutes, giving St. Pauli and Timo Schultz his first point as a manager. Um, Eva, where do you want to start with this? Because... Borchum had a really good game plan. They looked to, to be on top for large portions of this game. And yeah, I, I think um, their fans would be very aggrieved that they did not win this game after the performance produced. 
Yeah, um, especially the first half was very, very good by Bochum. They uh, put St. Pauli under a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> was a bit happy being kind of right with my prediction that I uh, think they're one of the dark horses for pr promotion this year. Um, I think you could really see what quality uh, is put into the team, um, especially when all players on the on the pitch really work together very well, are all fit. Um, I, you can now really see what uh, Jules can can do. I mean, it was a beautiful free kick goal by him. Uh, Holtmann was a very good addition to the team as well, as mentioned. Uh, Ganvula uh, won 15 tackles. You could uh, see that before the 2-0 and a couple of scenes before that he um, yeah, really wanted to help this team. Something you didn't really see a lot last season, I would say. So he was more of the, okay, I'm going to get the goals and I'm like the only fighter that's a bit different this season. Um Yeah, I think Tesha missed that chance to give Bochum all three points and then shortly before the end and then the other side it was Kire. Um Well, in, in all in all, I can't really say what went wrong for Bochum. It was two in, individual mistakes. I think the first time it was um, Gamboa who gets the the ball against his, uh, his chest or something like that and then it just bounces off uh, in front of uh, Kiri. Um, on the other side with Zhang Pauli, I was uh, really, really impressed by the performance of the 20-year-old Finn Becker, who came in after 65 minutes for Knoll. Um, with him, the Zhang Pauli game got much more faster. He had a beautiful chip to to uh, Kiri. He could have uh, set the... Well, Or, uh leveled uh, just before uh, just after half time so he uh, might be starting next week Knoll is always he, he didn't really was present in the first half I'd say uh, and then well uh, it's great to see Christopher Avervor back for, for St. Pauli he only played four games last season because of an injury but you could see that in some situations For example, before the 2-0, no, um, he doesn't really have the speed to keep up with the faster players of the league. Um, I mean, that there is this pass where there are three, three players from Bochum lining around him and then he can't really keep up with um, Holtkamp or, and or uh, Ganvula. So, well, he might be some, I don't know, not the favorite choice next week. It will be an interesting one. I mean, they 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 retain uh, keeping Daniel Bubala as a centre back, as they did last season for for periods of last season. But I think when you have someone like Leon Pacarada in that position, I think Bubala as a stopgap centre back could work. I know Avavor did get substituted during the game um, for Zerice. Um But yeah, I think I think overall. Both teams can be like, okay, we've got a point. We'll take it on to the next one. But yeah, I think I think it's the way that Bochum gave away the two goals. Um, yeah, I think they'll be very disappointed uh, that they didn't get it. I think the the two V Spartan players, former V Spartan players, uh, Kire and and Ditkin, were both very solid for St. Pauli. Let's go to Hanover, and uh, they hosted Kalzura. This game. Uh, well, 
It's quite an interesting one because Karlsruhe looked very good early. They were sharp. You know, they were very strong in midfield. But they weren't really able to test the net of Michael Esser. Um, and what was probably very clear for um, for Karlsruhe is that they really brought their own downfall. Two defensive mistakes, two goals. The first one coming from Robert Bournemouth, where he was disp- he, his la- you know, lax pass was intercepted by Vidant to Duksh. Dominic Kaiser, 1-0 Hanover. And then in the second half, it was substitute Linton Minor who scored off a Hanover counter to give Hanover all three points vital in their attempt to get into the promotion places. Um, either it, it was quite a weird game because because Karlsruhe's you know biggest agree, you know thing that they missed was a striker, a particular striker who may have scored sixteen goals last season, who didn't feature in this one, and it became very evident that they were missing someone who had that you know that bit of punch um, going forward. Yeah, and it's a bit unlucky. Um, I think Philip Hoffman told um, Christian Eichner um, shortly before the game uh, that he doesn't feel good to play the game. Um, okay. And that's mainly because he wants to transfer to uh, Union Berlin in the Bundesliga, of course, which I'm not quite sure is a good move for him because he's a decent Zweite Bundesliga player, but I don't really see him in the Bundesliga team even well, I mean, he would be a good um, replacement for Sebastian Andersen, who went to FC Köln, of course. But I'm not really sure that he would be, uh, well, next to Max Kruse, really the substitute they wish for. So his way of handling that situation isn't really honourable, I, th- I thought. But as you've mentioned... Um, it's quite clear that he's being missed and it's not really fair because Karlsruhe, of course, doesn't want to let him go, but they don't really have the money in, in a way to really buy someone else. One addition, one possible uh, person to get instead would be, for example, uh, Prince Oseyovus, who has more uh, dritte, uh, so, so third league experience, but he's quite a tall man and might be just an addition up front. Uh, but yeah, um, uh, the Karlsruhe had a goal cancelled off from foul, which was a foul. But looking at the scene over and over again, Dukes does make more of the contact than there is. Um, and sometimes, if you see it the other way around, if it's a penalty, sometimes the referee then said, "Okay, but that wasn't really this not the right proportions here." But yeah. Um, just another note off the pitch, uh, there were 500 fans allowed in the stadium. So, of course, this uh, was the weekend seeing nearly in every stadium in Germany, at least in the first uh, two leagues, the return of the fans. But in uh, Hanover, uh, the tickets only went out uh, to the box owners. Um, and, of course, the, the fan groups and the fans in general weren't really happy with with that and laid out a red carpet for them <laughs> um, outside of the stadium. So... Hanover being Hanover in that manner. But yeah, um, also the game shows that the passing rate for both teams wasn't really high, just a bit above 70%, uh, which is okay for Karlsruhe, isn't really for Hanover, for a club that wants to uh, get promoted. So that's something they really have to um, yeah work on it. I, bit, agree. I, 
Yep, agreed. It did. It did. Um, watching the game, it was a bit sloppy at times. Um, especially ball retention didn't seem as high as um, as either team would have wanted. I will say this: if there was one player who really took the game and swung it into his team's favour, it was Genki Haraguchi. Um, he was, for me anyway, watching the game, easily the man of the match. And his influence in midfield and being able to control you know, possession and, and, and really, most times he got possession, he was looking to drive it forward and, and be that outlet to um, Vidant and Duction. Yeah, he was fantastic and I think he's going to be another catalyst for them going forwards and yeah, a very, very good Hanover, yeah, relatively solid Hanover performance. I think, you know, Christian Eichner will take a bit out of it for Karlsruhe, but, you know, ultimately I think he'll be a little bit disappointed that uh, they didn't get more than uh, what their performance indicated. We'll take our first break, and on the other side, we will look at one of the new boys of the Spider Bundesliga, Eintracht Braunschweig, in their game against Heidenheim. The first game of our Group 2 helpings is Heidenheim and Eintracht Braunschweig. This game actually promised a lot considering Braunschweig were coming off that 5-4 DFB Pokal first round win against Hertha Berlin. Heidenheim had plenty to prove after losing their first round game against VNV Spartan in the cup. Um, but it was business as usual for Heidenheim. A 2-0 win for them. Uh, a penalty on 17 minutes giving Patrick Schmidt who returns after his loan spell from Dinamo Dresden. And then Kevin Sessa. Many will remember Sessa starting the first leg of that relegation playoff matchup against Werder Bremen. He scored coming off the bench. It was a pretty typical Frank Schmidt's performance. Efficiency in front of goal. And it was the catalyst for the result. But that doesn't mean that Braunschweig were just kind of idly standing around. Uh, they they pressed very hard for an equaliser either. And if it wasn't for some unbelievably good goalkeeping, which we expect from one of the best in Kevin Muller, um, Braunschweig could have got something out of this game. Yeah, definitely. If you look at the statistics here again, uh, you have uh, four shots on target, which doesn't say much, but you actually have 10 shots missing the goal directly, uh, which you can at least see that... Um, they tried. It wasn't like they, they didn't even had the chance to come into um, Heidenheim's box. But they also had uh, three, or they were offside three times. So that shows, in, in comparison to Heidenheim, who had none, uh, that shows a bit that they there's still lack of timing, really finding the right person um, when the, um, yeah, the opponent's defense is um, standing quite well. So maybe that's something to improve in the, in the games coming forward. And, I mean, it's not really easy to play Heidenheim on the first uh, first day, um, first match day. Um, as you've mentioned, we know how clinical Heidenheim's in, uh, in front of goals. It's nothing new. We talked about that, I think, like the past two years. Um, but, yeah, Heidenheim could have, gone even higher so uh, Shimmer was well they had something similar I think against St. Pauli last year mm. uh, where they're standing quite quite close to the goal and then missing that um, kind of lucky they were already up at that point but um, 
Yeah, um, Braunschweig actually had 40, uh, 465 passes. Heidenheim only 300. 300, I'm sorry. Uh, it shows once again that Heidenheim was just very clinical with the lesser passes they had. Um, they also only had a passing rate out of uh, 75%. Braunschweig had 81%. Um, but they had more sprints. And in the end, that's something they can really uh, work with quite well. And if... Well, it's uh, a bit unlucky for Braunschweig. I thought it wasn't as clear as it's or clear with a 2 no win, but uh, as it says on paper. Uh, but I think they they did have to be um, worrying or worried after their first game. Yeah, no, I think they I think they were okay. I mean, they certainly looked a little bit more dangerous when uh, Prashvitz uh, came on in the second half, having a bit more of a target man. Uh, in comparison to the front three of Kaufman, uh, Kobylanski, and Abdullahi, and uh, yeah, I think I think they can take they could take a lot out of that game. I think especially later on when they were really pressing it and they brought Barr on and and Felix Kors and you know they they had the opportunity to get something out of the game. And I don't think and I, and I think Daniel Meyer would would acknowledge that they are very much in a good position um, going forward. It's just whether they can extract that in their first home game against Holstein Kiel, which perfectly segues to Kiel's game against Paderborn, uh, on this, which was also on the Sunday. And it was Kiel that got a 1-0 win. Uh, Alexander Muling, who really is one of the better midfielders going around in the Svarta Bundesliga, consistent performance for, performer for Kiel. He got the goal um, after some very, very good work from Lee Jae Sung. A very, very good result for Kiel uh, and Oli Werner, but Paderborn, it, yeah, it was a bit, a bit of an odd performance from them. They, you know, they, especially in this when they were entering the eighteen-yard box, they seemed to fiddle around with it. They, they didn't really test uh, Thomas Dana, the new number one goalkeeper for Kiel, and uh, yeah, I think, I think we can all admit that uh, it's a very good result for Kiel either, and. Um, yeah, I just it was a weird Paderborn display, it's fair to say. Yeah, I thought Odd describes this game in total very well. Um, watched it on Sunday, rewatched the highlights, still don't really know what to make out of it. Um, yeah, as you've mentioned, uh, Paderborn didn't really show the kind of offense work they did in the Bundesliga as well in the last uh, Zweite Bundesliga season or what they were famous for but what they showed uh, was their kind of naive defending something that seems to be a bit consistent throughout their last seasons I mean that basically was what got them relegated in the first place from the Bundesliga Um, they just scored more goals in their Zweite Bundesliga year when they got promoted uh, so something missing there, probably. Um, not probably, but quite um, obviously, actually. Um, but Kiel was... Uh, well, they were very good in the first half. I think um, what, what was kind of weird was uh, that... I don't know if you guys saw that, but that Rees injury... I don't mm. really want to call it injury, but it seemed yeah. to ha- he had to be substituted. Um really was kind of carried out off the pitch and then his first uh, situation back on the pitch is a sprint from like midfield to in front of the goal so that was was 
thinking that was a bit weird. Um, but actually, the statistics show a quite level game. I think each team had around five shots on target. Um, Paderborn had a bit more uh, possession. They both had a passing round, a passing rate around 80%. Paderborn had more corners, so maybe uh, using set pieces uh, in the future might help a bit. Um, but yeah, um, I don't think it's that bad for them to it's similar to to Braunschweig although they come from two different leagues um, don't want to give the first game too much importance it would have been different if they've lost 8-0 but they didn't so wow wow how did I see that one coming from a mile away I guess the thing is with Paderborn is that three of the four uh, defensive pieces from that game uh, on Sunday have not really played with each other. I mean, the the defense, the centre backs of Correa and and Schonlau, I mean, Correa they they brought in from Jan Regensburg on a free, and even the two the two fullbacks with Frederick Ananu um, and Chimura Okoroji. Uh, Ananu they got from Ingolstadt. Okoroji's on loan from Freiburg, and yeah, it, it's going to take time. But one thing we do know from uh, Stefan Baumgart coach side is that they're going to play one particular way which is to be very attacking um, they want to have a lot of possession and really dominate teams uh, but the caveat of that for them is, is that they're going to concede a lot of goals they did it in the Dritter Liga season they did it in the last Vida Bundesliga season they gave up 70 plus goals last season uh, that's just the way the makeup is for them um, they've got you know some very good attacking options um, going forward, but I guess the question is whether they can, you know, be a bit more stable in defence. It wouldn't surprise me if either Strodik or, or even Uwe Hunemeyer, who was playing as a makeshift striker at the end of the game, um, whether they get a look in to start at centre back. I'm not sure what Baumgart is thinking uh, for their next encounter, which I believe is against Hamburg. So, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one, but, you know, overall it was a pretty good result for Kiel and, 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 yeah, um, the perfect way to start the season for a team that you know it's had a number of changes, but you know ultimately I think I think what they did well in the game is when you know as good as Yanni Serra is, when they brought they took him off for Nicholas Haltman, uh, they put Lee up front. It certainly brought a bit of diversity, and and, it, and in the end it led to the opening goal. Uh, our last game of Group Two is the one that wielded the most goals: Zahnhausen and Darmstadt. And it would be a Mr. Daniel Ruel who scored a hat-trick. Uh, not a traditional hat-trick, I guess, because uh, that's going to be, well, first half, score all three goals kind of thing. But um, he scored on the 30th, 38th, and 74th minute. The 38th was a penalty. Um, Darmstadt's two goals, you know, Honsak, who scored in the cup game, and Tim Skarka in stoppage time. A very good start to life in Sandhausen for, for Daniel Cates. We were talking about this in the preview, the importance of having you know, more than one option. We know how good Kevin Behrens was last season. But um, yeah, this is not the first time that Cates Ruel has um, had an impact on his Svarta Bundesliga debut for a new club. Yeah. Um, and um, I think if it wasn't Hausen, he it's um, probably the perfect club. Um, because different to to quite a few where it was before you don't have as many substitutes for him as you have in Zandhausen and um, 
Yeah, he's just uh, the perfect player for for the game that is being played there. And um, yeah, uh, but on the other, you know, on the on the other hand, I thought that Darmstadt wasn't that bad. I actually thought they were the better team. Uh, they would were just not clinical enough. You could say you could see it in the once again <laughs> in the statistics as well. Uh, Darmstadt actually had. Um, nine shots on target, eight at least near the target, um, as Sandhausen had only six. So they were they were very, very clinical. In comparison, Darmstadt had 61% uh, possession. They played 532 passes, uh, and Sandhausen only 201. <laughs> That's more than double the amount of passes. Um, but that, at the same time, gives a good yeah, impression of Sandhausen as with at least the pass or with the number of passes they had, they still managed to uh, score three goals and well, don't let Darmstadt score one goal more than they had. Um, and the last goal, of course, only came in, the, uh, in, in at a time. So, well, Darmstadt for Marcus Anfang, it's a bit of an unlucky beginning, but once again, same uh, for the games before, wouldn't put too much yeah, interpretation into this game. I still think um, if the next game they play the same the same way, they, they get all three points, actually. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, it's there's 34 matches. It's a long, grueling season, but... I guess the other thing is you do want to start the season well and, and getting the first three points is vital. You look at some teams that may have to wait a significant period of time before they get uh, those first set of points. Um, so that's what makes it so important for, for a team like Zanhausen who um, you know may be in that middle to lower tier of the table. Um, very good way for them to start. What I mentioned with uh, Kate Ruel is on his debut two seasons ago at Grotefer, he did score a brace. Ironically, it was against Zanhausen. Let's take our final break, and on the other side, we'll get to our Group 3 games, starting in the Bavarian city of Regensburg, when Jan Regensburg hosted Nuremberg. The final three matches of our Match Day 1 review starts in Regensburg when they hosted Nuremberg. This game had plenty of promise, and when Tim Hanverker scored before half-time, it seemed like the club were very much on their way to securing Robert Klaus's first three points as a Svita Bundesliga manager. However, Max Bershikov put uh, that to bed on 58 minutes to give both sides a share of the spoils. Uh, Eva, a bit of a word on this one. Nuremberg seemed a little bit flat, but I think Jan Regensburg in particular, um, on the contrary, they looked okay and and were able to pressure the the Nuremberg goal on a regularity. Yeah, I thought um, the same, actually. Seeing that Regensburg didn't really came off of a good end to the season, 2019-2020, they had some struggles. I think uh, this was a quite decent performance it's one of well they go into the second season uh with Sinambigovic so that's um quite good um and yeah 
and in, in total, I thought they they would have been maybe the team that deserved all three points. They had a bit more possession, had more passes. So in the statistics, I'm so sorry, um, they were the better team. Had uh, eight to four corners as well. Um, so maybe for, for Nuremberg, a bit lucky. I thought um, Maya in the goal of Regensburg didn't did look a bit unlucky uh, when uh, Tim Handwerker scored their goal out of nowhere, out of the blue, you could say. Um, but in general, I think Regensburg doesn't need to hide uh, behind this performance, uh, especially because Nuremberg is always uh, the bigger team in Bavaria, and they're always a side you would uh, reckon with in promotion. So definitely heads up to, to Ringsburg. Absolutely. And, and the thing that, that was probably a big question mark for them going forward this season was them up top um, with Marco Grutner departing. And they were very dangerous with the options they had going forward. I thought Andreas Albers, who was the uh, the late game specialist for Regensburg last season, was dangerous. And, and yeah, I think overall they could take many positives out of the game. I'm not really sure Nuremberg really brought much to the table, especially after they went a goal up. Um, so yeah, I think I think you know for 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 um, Selen Bigovic, they've got you know he will be pretty happy with that performance. Although he may feel that they probably should have actually won the game. Um, a team that we know from previous history that has the Blues away from home. Didn't show that uh, on match day one, and that's Erzgeberger Hour. They had the privilege of uh, traveling to Würzburg to face Würzburger Kickers. Uh, and it was a very strong second half display from Hour that got them all three points. Uh, Jan Patrick Strauss, Pascal Testrotz, Tom Baumgart, the goal scorers, uh, to give Dirk Schuster's side all three points. And it really, uh, you know. It was a pretty similar way that they got all three of their goals, either two of them coming from uh, Florian Kruger. Um, and yeah, the, the correlation was is that they w- had a lot of success attacking down the left-hand side. Yeah, as you've mentioned, all, all three goals came uh, from, from the left side and um, uh, Würzburg showed a lot of problems kind of controlling that side. Um, maybe some tactical changes would have helped that um because especially after well they they were a bit better after 60 well after the goal by testrod uh florian kruger actually uh, missed to score a goal himself mm-hmm. uh, very close in front of the goal um yeah i think uh Kigas really only had one shot on target uh, it was a bit difficult for them and um well you've mentioned that our had some problems uh, last season was being away, not to be unfair to kickers, but this is probably not the team I would say that they would have, or I would have expected them to struggle away from home. Um, and uh, yeah, you could say, feel a bit happy for Pascal Testrod. He, he actually was one of the, he had three shots on target himself, uh, showed some uh, good techniques before the 2-0. Uh, might be his season. He he always is a bit worried with injuries. He's not the youngest player in the team, but um, yeah, might be his season this year. Yeah, I can remember his inaugural season at Auer. He um, very much 
tore, tore it apart. And then last season, it was a bit, uh, a bit of injury, a bit of inconsistency in form. But yeah, he looked very good uh, along with 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 Kruger. Uh, and we we know what we're going to get with our which is resolute defending, you know, and and quick combination play, um, with the likes of Holshide, um leading the charge. But yeah, they looked very stable defensively, um, and in attack they yeah they they had the opportunities and they took full advantage of them. Unlike Würzburg, who yeah, well, I think it would be fair to say that not many of us had a lot of hope for them going for going into the season. Um, but against a team like our, who are generally there for the taking in, um, uh, away from home. Yeah. They didn't really show a lot. Um, but there is a long, it's still a long way to go in the season, but, uh, yeah, not, not the best, uh, impression you could leave on the opening day of the season. Our last game of match day one brings us to Furt. Greuther Furt hosted, uh, Valfield Osnabrück. This game ended all square at a goal apiece. This game was surprisingly open uh, especially when you have two sides that based on last season anyway like to be a bit more defensively minded uh, Paul Seguin opened the scoring on 15 minutes and then with the help of goal line, well the VAR and to confirm it anyway uh, Christian Santos on his debut for Osnabrück in the league he scored uh, to make it 1-1 uh, the ball was over the line before Sasha Boykert could parry it Away to safety. Um, uh, it probably, you know, there was a lot to take out of the game. Both sides showed some incredibly good attacking football, but um, yeah, I, th- I think ultimately it'd be fair to say that the draw was maybe the fairest of the results. I think, especially in the first half, uh, it was a bit lucky uh, to not concede more goals. Uh, they're def- Defending was a bit naive uh, and not very stable, but I think in the second half they definitely shows uh, showed some improvement. It really earned that uh, earned that draw. I think that I thought they were a bit more dangerous and um, yeah. And shortly before um, yeah the final whistle, they both had huge chances to take all three points. But I think in the end, um, this is this is a deserved draw. Maybe not what uh, Fürth would have expected, um, but for Osnabrück, for the coaches, for Quarters' debut as a coach, I think it was quite well. And also, um, I said it before in Twitter, but a shout out uh, to to Fürth to they used one of their advertising boards behind the goal to uh, share. Uh, one or two comedians uh, kind of brought to attention or more to attention the Leave No One Behind campaign, as well as the Moria, sto- uh, Moria story, um, which is the camp in, in Greece. Uh, as many of you know, I'm aware which are her- well, not camp anymore, where horrible things are happening. So just uh, some last things at the end of uh, the episode, really see if you can donate a bit to to people like sea watch they do very good work and um i think it's not really european like to let the people live like that agreed absolutely agreed and it's also a friendly reminder that you know as much as we're we're massive football fans and we love the game that there are bigger things um going on in the world that we need to worry about um, and and whilst you know as i said we we enjoy the entertainment and and having a team to support you know there are a lot of people who are in 
far worse situations than us and, and they do need our support and that is for sure that's it match day one is in the book that chapter is written it has gone down in history uh, the authors and uh, bookmakers get ready for the next one match day two we'll bring that to you next week again thank you for joining us for our first match day review thank you Eva for joining me once again and until next time have a great week goodbye